Welcome to the series where we teach you about the extraordinary fauna of New Zealand. We'll uncover everything about these animals, from the general knowledge to the biology. Exclusive interviews will show us how people work to keep them safe in a world where their home is shrinking fast. I'm Kevin Thew, and this is the Native New Zealand Podcast. Kaka belong to the genus Nesta and are the beloved forest-dwelling parrots of New Zealand. They are generally heard before they are seen, with their very distinct call, sometimes described as a harsh cry, which I encourage you to go check out, but after this episode, of course. The word ka can mean screech in Māori, and so the name kaka is thought to be a reference to their loud call. Despite this, they are commonly known to have some wholesome interactions with people, and can also produce some beautiful songs and whistles. So, let's take a closer look at this mischievous native parrot. I'm currently at the Kark enclosure at Willowbank Wildlife Reserve. Um, I just went through a gate and I'm practically inside the enclosure now. I can see a kaka just in front of me, uh, perched on a wooden pole. It's quite magnificent, it's a massive aviary um, made of a, like a white net material. However, in the wild, they occupy much larger territories. They are mainly found in the depths of forests with mature trees. They forage in pairs or in small groups and are often seen in treetops or flying above the canopy at 450 to 1000 meters of elevation. They have a very strong flight. Performed with flapping wing beats, they are capable of weaving through trunks and branches and can cover long distances, including over water. Radio tracking and banding studies reveal that kaka of the hen and chickens, little barrier and great barrier islands are effectively one population, even though these islands are separated by as much as 25 kilometers of water. Kaka congregate at localized food sources, such as flowering rata, but often forage alone for wood-boring insect, larvae, fruit or seeds. They grip fruit with its toes and bring it to its bill. However, in order to catch insects and larvae, it rips the bark from the tree with its bill and reaches inside for the hidden invertebrates and grubs in the dead wood. As conspicuous as they can be when in a group, kaka are typically cryptic when alone. Often the only thing to betray their presence is the sound of wood or seed fragments dropped by the bird as it forages. They feed in the morning and in late afternoon, and rest in trees at midday before going to their roost where they perform noisy aerobatics. This species is nomadic and move according to the food sources. They are seasonal specialists and may perform altitudinal movements according to the season, moving from food source to food source as different fruits, seeds and nectar become available. Although this specialty is great for the kaka in the wild, it becomes a strong hassle when it comes to breeding them. Um, to aid their reproduction, we kind of... Uh, there's, there's quite a big nutritional part to getting them to breed. So in the wild, there's all sorts of cues that kaka get from wild things that cause them to come into breeding season. 
And one of those might be the, the content of the sap that's running through the bark of plants at certain times of year. And so we try and make sure that we give lots and lots of, um, we call it browse, so it's cut branches from trees that are around the park so that the kaka have access to the, the seasonal sap that they might be getting in the wild. Um, and those branches also contain berries and seeds and things that they might also eat in the wild that might give them cues about the season and, and kind of spur them into breeding season. Uh, and then we also make changes to the diet we feed out. So we like, we'll chop up fruit and vegetables and other things in the morning to give them a, a bulk diet that they can eat. But we also have some slight changes we might make there. Like there's special pellets that we can add for breeding season and there's increasing animal protein. So we might add um, more insects or things like that to the diet to try and encourage breeding behavior. So yeah, nutritional stuff is important for encouraging breeding, but also you've got to provide like nest boxes and an environment that they're comfortable with. So they need to be um, relaxed and, and not stressed or um, scared of anything. So there are sort of behavioral and environmental things as well that are important. When Europeans first arrived in New Zealand, they found kaka in abundance throughout the forests of both islands, the south and the north. But by 1930, the birds were localized to a few areas. Today, they are still reasonably common in the Firinaki and Puerero forest parks, the Rotoiti Nature Recover Project area along the Milford Track, and in the Enlington Valley in Fiordland National Park. But even with these strongholds, numbers are thought to be declining. Other large forest areas are almost empty of kaka. The extinct Chatham Islands kaka was only discovered in 2014, identified by DNA analysis of fossilized bones. Kaka require large tracts of forest to survive. Habitat loss from forest clearance for agriculture and logging have had a devastating effect. Introduced pests such as possums, deer and pigs have reduced abundance of food that kaka need, such as high energy food types like endemic mistletoe and rata. Introduced wasps also compete with kaka for the shimmering honeydew which forms in the barks of beech trees. Both the mistletoe and honeydew supply sugary food which is an important part of the bird's diet and may be essential for it to breed in some beech forests. Research also suggests that kaka satisfy their energy needs from nectar and honeydew, while seeds provide them with protein and insects and grubs with fats. Kaka use their semi-brushed tongue to lick this honeydew. However, when sap feeding, kaka make lateral incisions on the trunks of trees such as Totara, Northern Rata, and Pahudukawa, licking up the sap as it oozes out. This type of feeding happens during spring and autumn. The time is thought to be related to changing sugar levels in tree sap. The kaka does have, um, it has a really major role as a pollinator in New Zealand forests. So there's a few birds that fill that role in New Zealand. You've got things like um, uh, tui, kaka, um, the korimaka, the bellbird. Um, they all are adapted to feed from these plants that produce lots of nectar, like, like harakiki, the flax, and they collect the pollen on their feathers around the faces, and then they'll move to the next plant and pollinate the next plant. And so, yeah, kaka are a, a big pollinator. 
And they're also a seed disperser. So they, they eat fruit from our native plants and they'll poo that out when they fly away and the seeds that they haven't digested will fall somewhere else and spread plants. So um, birds like kaka, are, they're, they're, they're diminishing numbers are one of the reasons why our forests aren't spreading as quickly as they should do. Um, so wood pigeon, kereru um, and kaka are, are big seed dispersers and they're an important part of spreading forests around as well. After kaka have stripped bark in search of sap and insects, the tree is open to infection, often leading to decay and death. It is thought that when kaka were abundant, they may have played a significant role in the renewal of the forest, hastening the demise of older trees and therefore making room for the young. As well as this, wasps do not replace the kaka. Wasps are very poor pollinators. Mostly, they get the honeydew and will not perform a part in pollination. This is mostly due to the fact that they do not have fur-like soft hairs or a special body part for pollen storage as bees do. Because of this, pollen doesn't stick to them very well. However, they are one of the few select species that are able to transport pollen without these hairs, just not very effectively. As well as this large increase in competition for the kaka's diet, having evolved in the absence of mammalian predators, Kaka have many characteristics that make them easy prey. Kaka nest deep in hollow trees, where there is no escape if they are cornered by predators, such as stoats, rats, and possums, which eat chicks and eggs. Young birds often leave the nest before they can fly, making them vulnerable to predators. Nesting females are the most vulnerable to stoat attacks, resulting in a disproportionate male-to-female sex ratio. Thankfully, New Zealand kaka were protected under New Zealand's Wildlife Act in 1953. And in 1996, the breeding programs begun, which Willowbank Wildlife Reserve play a key role in. Yeah, so, so we do hold a pair that's specifically here to um, breed in captivity and then release to the wild. And so we work in partnership with the Department of Conservation to hold those birds. Um, the, um, the offspring are taken from a particular part of the country, so our kaka are the north of the South Island, so they're around the Nelson area, and we keep them, and their babies would be released into that same area, so that the same genetic kind of stock is going into that area as well. So that's all managed by the Department of Conservation, all that side of things, um, or the, the kaka recovery team, who's kind of answers to dot. And so we, our job is primarily just looking after the birds and making sure they breed, but we then need to make sure that the birds are ready to be released into the wild when they leave here. So we kind of need to... Um, uh, we don't want them to be imprinted on people or too friendly with people, so we kind of let the parents do all the raising of the babies. We don't try and play with them too much. We try and treat them like more like wild birds rather than... Uh, pet birds, which may cause problems if you tried to release a really tame bird into the wild, it probably wouldn't thrive as well as a, like a wild, kind of slightly scary bird. In June 2002, a few kaka were translocated into the eco-sanctuary Zealandia and Wellington. This was the first time Wellingtonians had seen kaka in nearly a century. Over the next few years, more were added 
And although some of the Wellingtonians were not a big fan, Kaka flourished in the protected sanctuary and are now regarded as one of Zealandia's biggest success stories. There are now about double the Kaka than five years ago. As well as this, they have distributed across the landscape as well. In 2016, the intensive nest box monitoring program was scaled back, and Zealandia's Kaka population is now a source for translocations to other sanctuaries. Initially, each Kaka was given a leg band with unique color combinations. The different band colors allowed individual birds to be identified as well as a year. With large and stable Kaka population, banding is no longer regularly required. Although, there also has been a major issue with translocating Kaka to Wellington. Kaka interacting with Wellingtonians and their homes significantly. Many get lead poisoning while nesting in houses, which is the leading cause of death for Wellington Kaka, along with metabolic bone disease caused by having fed inappropriate food by people. By nesting in ceilings, Kaka put themselves in contact with potentially harmful materials, such as glass wool insulation, treated timbers and lead nails, and plumbing which they chew. This issue is something that is currently being worked on. Outside of Wellington, there are also now large numbers of wild kaka around Pukaha National Wildlife Center in Waitapara, since the initial release of nine birds in 1996. This was a key release as the species had been absent there for nearly 50 years. It is estimated that there are now about 10,000 kaka in New Zealand, spread across the three islands, but particularly in forested areas, offshore islands, and in or near wildlife sanctuaries. On the few larger forested offshore islands sanctuaries, kaka scream, chatter, clown around and almost fall over themselves in their eagerness to interact with human visitors. Yet on the mainland, the behavior of kaka is entirely different. The birds are rare, more than often heard than seen, and largely indifferent to humans. For mainland kaka, every day is a fight for survival. The birds can spend up to 8 hours a day just gathering sufficient food to meet their requirements. However, with the predator-free 2050 vision and ongoing kaka research, it is hoped that kaka numbers will continue to increase, particularly in the wild, and that humans and kaka will learn to coexist in harmony. Though, it was not an easy road to get to the significant position with kaka populations. The main challenge we've had here at Willowbank is actually getting a pair to breed consistently. And so we have had an, an old pair who never really produced any babies properly. They would have eggs and they occasionally, but never incubated them very well. Um, and so we've just got a new pair, um, which we hope will sort of be better. Uh, the old pair were released into the wild. Um, and so we've been focusing on trying to get our diet right, um, making sure they're provided with lots of stimulation and lots of plants to, that they can chew up and uh, try and get them into season for, for having babies at the right time of year. And our female now is just at the right age where she should hopefully start producing eggs. So um, fingers crossed. Um, we do that, but that has been the challenge for us is to get them consistently laying eggs and producing offspring so that we can then release them to the wild. So hopefully we can fix it, but if not, we'll 
keep making little changes. So take steps, like make a little change to the diet, make a little change to the nest box, make a little change to something else, and just keep trying things until we find something that works. Breeding season occurs between September and March, but occasionally second broods can extend breeding into winter. Kaka can start breeding from one year old, but they usually start in their third year. Male and female kaka are difficult to differentiate. Males tend to be larger with a bigger mandible and rounder head. Females tend to be smaller and may have a prominent yellow eye ring during breeding. Unless their sex has been noted from their breeding behavior, this large degree of overlap means that genetic testing is usually necessary to be sure. During this period, Kaka performs some displays during which it raises its wings in order to expose its colorful underwings to attract a female. They also often give a soft call during courting and when showing females potential nest sites. Nests are generally in tree cavities over 5 meters above the ground, but can be at ground level on offshore islands. The nest floor is lined with small wood chips. Typically, Kaka have 4 eggs here although they can have up to seven. Incubation is usually about 20 days, and they can have two clutches in a season. Only the female kaka incubates the eggs and cares for the nestlings, but the male collects and feeds regurgitated plant matter to her. The female adopts the characteristic posture of begging for food by crouching and quivering wings and giving repeated calls. Both parents feed their kaka fledglings. They remain at the nest for about 9 to 10 weeks. They depend on the parents for food during 4 to 5 months and only start to gain their independence from 2 to 5 months of age. When young kaka first fledge, it takes a while before they are able to fully fly. The wing muscles need to fully develop before they can start to perfect their flying skills. Like many of New Zealand's native birds, on encountering a predator, they are likely to freeze. But, as mammalian predators can smell them, this is not an effective defense. This can make them easy pickings for pest predators such as weasels and stoats. Kaka may live for up to 20 years, though on the mainland, few will die of old age. Kaka are one of the most characteristic birds of New Zealand. Though, they also have many fascinating abilities, like their strong flight and their seasonal specialty to find food. Through this episode, I once again hope you have learned a lot about the kaka and opened your mind to continue investigating this mischievous parrot. There are some species of kaka that are extinct and many others that are endangered. Though, change is happening and strong conservation programs are hard at work, most notably the work done in Zealandia. Because of this, Kaka populations are increasing. Massive thanks to Willowbank Wildlife Reserve for letting us once again interview Head of Native Nick, who taught us a lot about the Kaka and about how they're being bred and protected, as well as some great education about them. Once again, I'm your host Kevin Thiel, and thank you for listening to the Native New Zealand Podcast.